Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Squad Games Podcast. My name is Giacomo, and with me today is my co-host, Dakota. And Dakota, we have a special guest with us today, don't we? Mr. Orion. For those who don't know, he has won the New Mexico event that GW had for Kill Team. Hello, uh, I'm Orion. I'm here today because of my spoils of victory. Uh, playing a lot of rough games in New Mexico, coming out on top. Yeah, and... Uh... I'm excited to have you on here with us, man. Um, I got to see a lot of pictures and a lot of chats going on, you know, how we uh, how we finally beat Spain for once. Congratulations, man. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was a great event. I mean, it was. we were looking at the whole event the whole time, talking with everybody in our in our chat. And just each each time someone was like, I can't believe he's going to make it. He's going to make it. He's at the end. He's at the end. Oh, my God, he's doing it. He's doing it. And then, you know. Then he won, and that was that was exciting. It was very exciting. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you like to do outside of the hobby? Just something you like to do for fun. Oh, man. Uh, no, I play Kill Team all day, every day. I live in a basement. I paint models, and that's everything. No. Uh, uh, most people know by now that I'm a chef by trade that typically follows me into my hobbies as well. You know, I like to spend a lot of time doing stuff in the kitchen when I can. Um, <laughs> beyond that, um, I do play a significant amount of video games. Not as much as I used to when I was younger, but uh, I, I play enough to play with my uh, girlfriends. And, you know, we have a lot of fun that way. But other than cooking and gaming, you know, that's pretty much what I do. So. I, you know, you do make a lot of food. Uh, you're making, you are the chef for the Kill Team Open, correct? I am the chef for the Kill Team Up and Correct. And um, that will be a significant amount of food. Um, two days worth for probably about 120 people, if if everything goes well. Oh, well, fa- one thing that's fantastic is that LVO sold out today. And because of that, I did not want to miss out my chance to compete at the... Uh, kill team open or at least go i don't think i'm going to compete too hard i'm mostly going for fun but um i did buy my ticket because i was afraid it was going to sell out (laughs) Um, yes everyone's saying buy your ticket uh things can and will sell out even to my surprise um (laughs) absolutely that's uh it was quite it was quite shocking i think like on saturday LBO had like 42 tickets sold and then we within two days got up to 60, 64. So hopefully we get a couple more tickets and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But my question for you is what is your favorite food? Oh, people always like to ask me this one and um, I always give them a complex answer. You know, I can't gotta be a little mysterious. It's not Oreos. Um, it's not Oreos, believe okay. it or not. No. <laughs> um, so I have a tough thing where, you know, my favorite food changes based on the day. So I can give you like a top three. Um, like you, you can't beat a good burger with a fried egg on top and something fun, some sort of good ingredient hanging out there, whether it be some, uh, you know, oyster mushrooms that are done up in a funky way or maybe some sort of, you know, culture ingredient that I didn't expect. Um, see, beyond that, I love soup. Love soup and stews. God, you can do them a thousand different ways. Uh, there's no one that I love over the other. Um, and then I would probably say I have really 
personal favorite from my grandma who um she couldn't cook to save her ass <laughs> but uh growing up <laughs> i loved to bits she had this tuna noodle casserole that she made one day just out of the blue uh it's the only thing i ever saw her cook uh that wasn't microwaved or you know it just came right out of a box and uh that really stuck with me and um since then my girlfriend makes it she's adapted the recipe and like because she's also very good at cooking so she adapts it and i'm like hey can you make that thing my grandma made and, you know it's, it's the best thing ever but by no means uh would i recommend tuna noodle to the average joe well here's something for you yeah. I, I have two questions one what is your favorite thing that your girlfriend makes you now that i know she's pretty good at cooking well, um, she is a fantastic pastry chef. Uh, she is my pastry chef at uh, the place that I work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she makes some delicious breads. She's really honed in a lot of her recipes on that front. Um, she's phenomenal at baguette. She's she's really gotten that down to a science. Ah, le baguette. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because a, pe- a lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, baguette's a long bread. But <laughs> there's a lot more that goes into it. You know, there's a lot of nitty-gritty technical stuff. <laughs> That, uh, I would not really have known. Up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just it's not just long bread. Crazy enough. Wow, what a what a concept. Now, my second question is, what is something you definitely make better, but you enjoy eating from other people? Mm. Mm, that's a question that gets you in trouble. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say uh, chicken tikka masala. Oh, hey, Amanda, my heart. I love Indian food. Yeah, um, I very much love Indian food. I love the culture and, you know, the the people that make that kind of food that come from the various regions of India, they all make it different, but it's all really good. That being said, out of the tikka masals I've had here in America, uh, keynote America, um, I definitely have a superior recipe. Um and that comes from a lot of tested things where, you know, I've done Indian cooking for, you know, traditional couples who have, you know, their aunties and uncles coming from Sounds India. Sounds delicious. It does. Um, and I will probably be serving that at Kill Team Open in some regard. Hell <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, just because it's a dish that's near and dear to my heart. Um, so that's something I would definitely say that I really enjoy eating, but I do make a little, little bit better, I think. All right, all right. I like that. That's a good challenge one. We'll uh, we'll talk more Indian food later. But I'm going to go ahead and have Dakota start us off with the interview for real now. Uh, and let's ask the first question. Dakota, go ahead. Sure. So I have a few things. I have a couple stats that I pulled up. But one of which is you are the eighth ranked player in the U.S. You finished second place last year, correct? Yes. In ITC. So right currently in ITC, you are ranked eighth in the United States and 38th in the world, uh, which is extremely impressive considering there's thousands of Kill Teams players throughout the world. Um, This is the one percenter, guys. Um, The top one (laughs) percent. But I know that you've gone to a couple tournaments and your biggest ITC wins for this year was the U.S. Open for Kansas City at 179 points the Victory Gamers Kill Team Tournament for 176, and Kill Team John's Warzone in April um, for 145. And I see that you played Warp Coven and Geller Pox twice in these two top wins. 
Um, what's fascinating is that the New, the New Mexico uh, grand finale is not on here. And I know we spoke about this previously, but some of the normal people might not know this because I had no idea. So uh, could you tell us why the New Mexico was not on this in your top ITC rankings? Right. So there's there's kind of two reasons why, even if it was, it, it wouldn't matter. Um, the number one thing is when we were all introduced, all eight players of us, uh, we did an introductory ceremony to the event. And the way it was described, I believe, by Mike Brandt was um, that this tournament was a celebration of getting to New Mexico. Uh, everybody already had their moments, their fun in the sun, where they won prizes. They got their names on the loudspeaker. You know, everybody cheered and clapped. Um, this event was more of a casual event to be a celebration of these individual games, whether it was 40K, Kill Team, or Sigmar. Um, and just bringing people together and having a good time. Not necessarily... It's looked at as that was the world's tournament. But in reality, it was just a bunch of top players having a good time while playing competitively. Um, so they didn't want to rank it because it didn't mean anything. That Its purpose wasn't to be ranked. But even if it was ranked, I don't think an eight-player event would necessarily accrue that many cur that many points. Um, even though it's a lot of great names, at the end of the day, that's just eight dudes playing that can be copied in somebody's basement. You know. So one thing that's actually fascinating that you brought that you brought up about that is that I ran some numbers from the ITC. Uh, tournaments recently this year and uh, typically most of the GW tournaments or GW sponsor tournaments especially the ones that gave out golden tickets give out um, a, at least a higher percentage of points than the normal statistical tournament um, which is pretty fascinating so for instance like you have Kill Team Open this year which was not affiliated with Games Workshop or FLG or anything like that and it had 60 or 58 players, 59 players, correct? Um, and it gave out 216 ITC points for first place to Travis Chang, which was quite impressive. Mm -hmm. But then you have the biggest tournament for that happened this year, uh, which was Nova, according to the GW stuff, which was also something interesting. I'll get to that in a second. Nova gave out 210 points. So it only gave out six less ITC points, even though there were uh, quite like 18 less players. When you go through and you look at SoCal Open, we had um, 19 players and there was 180 points that gave out for that. And the Seattle Open, which was GW ran, was 183 points. So just looking at the pure numbers wise, Games Workshops does give out more ITC points, which is something that everyone should know, especially if you're chasing the ITC things that statistically according to this um me and my numbers at least that they do give out more itc points um i wouldn't i would not have been surprised if that eight person tournament did give out a significant number of points according to that uh, and i think it should have um outside of i think that games workshops uh philosophy is 100 percent valid and i think that that's uh fantastic um and i think that it should probably stay that way 
so that everyone maintains, you know, cordialness and a celebration, like you said. And um, if they weren't to do that, like if they had an actual like different kind of competitive outcome, um, I would expect it to give out quite a few ITC points. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree. Yeah. So um, I know that you're going to say kill team open. But um, which tournament do you usually look forward to most? And if you, if it is Kill Team Open, perhaps you could give us a, your runner-up afterwards and your reasons why. So, I mean, I... Mm, get me in trouble again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, the, the easy answer is Kill Team Open, sure. I'm a part of it. Um, but I'm a part of it for a different reason. I so said this year I'm not playing in Kill Team Open. Uh, I, I just can't. There's too much going on. I'm trying to be the best uh, super host I can possibly be. Of course. Because uh, the course. venue is my responsibility. Uh, but that being said, you know, I look forward to that because it's part of the community and it's bringing a lot of people together, a lot of friends together, um, and really creating something fun. So I look to that for the creative aspect of building something. Uh, the rest of the tournaments, though, I look at those because I really like beating cheeks, um, to put it plainly. <laughs> uh, I like out and having a good time playing some really tough games and you know hopefully winning. So Kill Team Open is the creative aspect. The competitive aspect, though, I would probably say LVO. Um, that was one of the highest competitive events I had played in of this edition. Um, I can't compare last edition because it's tomato potato. Uh, it, it doesn't quite work that way. Now, is that because all the Spaniards were there this year uh, at LVO? Yeah, big time. Uh, I will say it to anybody who will listen. Ace is my favorite person to play against. It just it just always will be. Um, my games with him are always so intense. There's so much fun. Uh, it's a high-level game, but neither of us are like trying to play sweaty we play competitive we don't play sweaty um so it's just seeing the best plays we can possibly make and not really like calling each other like oh you flipped this token over too soon you know that level of hot quote-unquote high play got it that makes sense um so your favorite tournament was lvo this year uh or competitive wise um Mm -hmm. Uh, I, th- I see that you guys are modeling yourselves mostly after Nova for Kill Team Open. Um, is there any particular reason why you guys went that route? Um, there is. So Nova, um, it's one of those things where it kind of s- encourages everybody to keep playing no matter what place you're in. Um, and that's a really great thing because at the end of the day, we want everybody to play. People come to the event to play Kill Team. They should play Kill Team in a meaningful way. And with Nova, I'm sure, for those who don't know, you know, no matter what you do day one, you get placed in a similar ranking for day two. And then you play the those people who are in your kind of le- level, basically, of the tournament. If you went 0-4, you're being the king of Turd Mountain. Uh, if you went, you know, 4-0, you're playing against the cream of the crop. So I think replicating that style at the end of the day is really good for player retention Um, because at the end of the day everybody's going to have a good time at least playing either people they want to play the kind of people or just playing for something meaningful awesome that's where 
LVO last time I played it, it was um, very much it was a top cut, if I remember. And that's really, really fun and exciting uh, for the people in it. Correct. But people not in it, it's it's kind of disheartening. You know, they they can watch the games and kind of wish they were there. But at the end of the day, they know that they know their time in the sun is done. Absolutely. Um, I was victim of that in 2020. I think I tied for eighth and because of strength of schedule, um, I got bumped out the top eight. So I had to play in the next tournament. So yeah, I mean, I completely understand that. That's why this year we're going to try, I think, uh, just a full on tournament. Um, and then just seven, seven full rounds. Uh, and then the way that I thought about keeping player retention is giving out a lot of uh, raffle stuff and free prizes to a bunch of random players who make it to the end um, instead of just um, just the top eight. Like the top eight will get something special, right? But all those players in the end will have the opportunity, much like I did with the ABTT, and that seemed to go over pretty well. So, um, But I like that we have different values and different things in the kill team sphere because um players can then participate and see different things and learn from different things and then all of us as uh creators of these events can learn and grow and become better and make the best the best events possible so i'm very excited to attend kill team open um but something else that's interesting is Kill Team Open still holds the largest tournament of the year and all the games workshop tournaments only hit a maximum of 27 players. And I find that super interesting considering they they run the, they, they make the game. <laughs> and well, I wonder yeah. if that's I wonder if that's a a marketing mishap on their end or if the tickets were too expensive or or did the GW events not stack up compared to other events. And you went to kill you, you went to, you went to Kentucky and New Mexico and kill team up, but pretty much everything. So what are your thoughts? So I would a hundred percent agree that it was uh, more than anything, a marketing issue. Um, I even talked to some, I went to a lot of the GW staff when I was in Kansas city. I'm like, Hey guys, this was a fun event. It would have been a lot cooler if everybody else knew about it. Um, <laughs> so at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I went there. I think we had 16 or 17 players at that event. And, you know, they a lot of them even found out about it last minute. Or they found out about it only because they read another GW event previously. Um, so I made sure to tell the guys, I'm like, hey, like, get into the discords. Like, find somebody and just spread the word more because if people would have known um you know about this whole like golden ticket stuff they a lot more people would have been involved and i i think this year at the very least it was a proof of concept because nobody really knew what to expect from new mexico not even the people going uh we had no idea what to expect um until like maybe two weeks out where they gave us entirely everything but so now people know the precedent for it. I think there's going to be a lot more people enticed to go. And again, there's a lot of aftermath media such as this, where I think that's what they're expecting, where they people came to this event and they're going to come back and they're like, oh, look how great this was. We had so much fun. You know, it was all this and that. And so I, 
I think the marketing was rough, but from here, at the very least, the Kilton community is so like uh, tightly wound together that the word should spread pretty fast from this point on. Um, but yeah, the events were good. The events were still very good, at least the ones that I witnessed or had teammates go to. The, some of the first ones, I think, maybe were a little rough, but that was more on uh, terrain issues than anything. That was uh, the Seattle Open, right? Where it was a little rough. Yeah. I heard, yeah. Yeah, we, saw, we all saw pictures of that one. I we, think that, we don't need to dig that hole. It's, it's fine. Yeah, that you know, one. They, and then and then I think San Diego was $100 a ticket. And then I don't think they sold very many tickets because then they dropped it down to 60 uh, a week before the event started. So I think that was also kind of like a weird, another weird uh, aspect. I think it was interesting because... I had no idea that I was running it. And that was my, my very first tournament I ran on the same day just because I had no idea. And when I set mine up, it was like three, like three days after I set my first tournament up there, they announced theirs. And it was like, just like a month out, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of weird. Yeah. One thing I will say is they are, GW is actively listening um, to the Kilting community. Something I will commend them for. Um, you know, from Seattle, they could have just doubled down and said, no, this is what we're doing for all the events. We'll fix it next year. Uh, but they immediately fixed it moving forward for every event and they improved upon it every event. It got a little better each time to the point where it got to me. Uh, it was a very well put together um, packet for the terrain because it was oh, approved nice. by players, some players that I knew um, that had feedback in it. And we saw the accumulation of that at the end of New Mexico, where most of those maps played really well. Um, there were some gripes. There, there's always going to be gripes. You, you can't fix it all. Nobody's going to be happy with everything. Yeah. Um, uh, myself included, there was one map I was not too happy on. But I still ended up winning it, so I can't really say much. <laughs> it's always the maps. It wasn't even the full map. It was just one piece of terrain that was like, a millimeter too close to an Octarius heavy piece. And that that allowed, it was a scramble terrain. So a Hulk couldn't fit through the hole, but I also couldn't charge anywhere over it or just traverse it. So it actively took me two turns to get through this hole that I just one millimeter over. I would have been fine. Well, speaking more about GW events, tell us more about the Kentucky open. I think there was only about 16 players, if I remember right. Kansas City. Kansas City. Uh, the Kansas City Open. Missouri, yeah. But yeah, that event was... It was pretty chill. I This is the first time I ever went to an event completely by myself. Uh, no teammates, no friends that I knew were going to it at all. There was only one person I knew who was going to that, and that was uh, Layla Coffing. And uh, I, at that point, I had maybe one in- engagement with her at ACO. So I was like, man, I'm on my own out here. Um, but yeah, I got to the event. Um, I didn't stay at the hotel. I stayed in a, what I thought was going to be a shady Airbnb about a block away. Uh, and that turned out to be really nice. But uh, really? house was old. Really, really old house. Um, but yeah, so the day one, I met a bunch of players and whatnot. Um, God, I can't remember too much about how I played. But I had some some good games. Um, first game was against a Warp Coven guy. Um, he, he brought me uh, pretty close to being tabled, um, but I still was way ahead on points. 
uh, round two, I played a Corsair's gentleman who also almost tabled me. Being as Gellerpox, it's a little hard to do, but um, he brought it down to the wire. And then round three, I played against the Harlequin player um, who made a very unfortunate misstep and got, I think, two or three Harlequins just completely flamed up um, by my uh, Gellerpox leader, Thrice Cursed. Uh, and then day two was by far my hardest matches where I had to face Layla. Um, and... How did that match go up? <laughs> oh, that match. So that match, I was definitely in a position where I should have lost it. It was on Junction Assault in Into the Dark, where anybody who knows my thoughts on Gellerpox, I hate playing on Into the Dark with them. I'd much prefer to be out in the open. Really? I'd think they'd be better on Into the Dark. Oh, yeah, of course. There are some benefits. It's not like it's all terrible, but I really prefer being outdoors because the the biggest thing is the lanes. Into the Dark forces you into lanes. Right. And Gellerpox is such a big team and everything kind of needs to help each other out. You can't do that when you're split. Um, all of a sudden you have, maybe you've lost a Hulk on one side, but you have other Hulks on the other side. They can't get there. They're not helping out. Mm, okay. That's where I see, in the open I see the board. Problem. Yeah, you can kind of cross all over the place and aid wherever it needs to be. Um, but it's not like they're bad in Into the Dark. I just prefer it uh, in the open. But I was playing on Junction Assault, which has no cover. There's cover in your deployment zone. Everything else is just open doors, open open hallways. And uh, she's playing Breachers, which have a good amount of shooting, a lot of shotguns, a lot of grenades, a lot of stun. So we, we just look at the table and I'm like, Oh man, I wanted, I was okay with losing to uh, Layla, but not like this. And she's and she's like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. I'm like, you don't have to comfort me, but that's okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so we we start our rounds, and um, I, I'm playing very defensively. I'm just not really doing too much uh, to antagonize any grenades or anything like that coming at me too soon. Um, and like I play very defensive throughout the game. She makes one critical misstep in the second turn, uh, and this is what started my game to be like, "Oh, oh I've got this." Where she forgot a door existed, and because of that, she moved her endurance down a hallway to junk up a bunch of little guys, some of the mutants and glitchlings. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, "Oh, that's good news." And she's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and uh, she just immediately grabs the book uh, for the Galapox and starts flipping through, reading everything. I'm like, you're not going to find it in there, but go ahead. Uh, so from that point, I mean, I opened that door. And mm-hmm. then I Galapox have a unique ability where they can, for one CP, move through models. Um, so I move one of my Hawks, who currently was stuck in a place where he was just going to get shot anywhere he moved. Uh, he charged right into the Endurance through that hallway that wasn't really covered because I had no Hawks over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just tore through the Endurance like it was nobody's business. Uh, but this also put him on her half of the board for the sector, which started my climb into points because right. I'm now denying her points. Um, but nobody could also stop this Hawk who would score Robin Ransack as well. Oh, so that play just started cascading the whole thing and little mistake after little mistake. 
ended up giving me the victory overall. Um, I think it was like 13 to four, something like that at the end of the game. Uh, At a game, we were definitely both confident that I had lost before I even started rolling. Um, Now with that matchup, would you say that one was your hardest one, even though you ended up winning? Uh, I would say so. Yeah. Because it was just so intimidating looking at that board and knowing how good of a player Layla is. Um, you know, she, she has a phenomenal track record against a lot of opponents, bring, really destroying people of craft world of all things. So my first engagement with her being in that disadvantage was soul crushing for a little bit. Uh, but as I, I pulled it out, managed to get a very lucky break and won because of it. And then my last game was against a player, um, Blaine, I forget his last name, but... Um, he was a phenomenal player. Um, this was his second tournament ever, and he was in a position to take the finals from me had he destroyed me in this game. Uh, he was playing Hunter Clade, um, which this was pre-nerf, so really good. <laughs> yeah, so very good. Yeah, and we were playing on a mission where there were two rooms in the center that took like three turns to get into. So the fact that he was just kind of on those in the beginning was really good. Uh, but he ended up playing very defensive against me. And um, <laughs> what happened was what I started calling the gentleman's club just really rolled into his side of the board um, where he just was playing defensive enough that some Hawks got in, killed some key operatives. And then the gentleman's club, which was my entire army on this one side of the board, were just slowly shuffling forward and he just couldn't kill any of them. Um so they got referenced to that, um, but they just took all the objectives on that side. But the biggest deal was he had swung three Rust Stalkers into one Hawk, uh-huh. and that Hawk killed all of them. Um, and it wasn't through like incredible saves or anything. It was just one of the things where I saved enough damage, and he was attacking one that dealt five damage each time. Um, and it was in turning point two, he had looked at me like, oh, you spent like, four CP this turn on strategic ploys. I'm like, yeah, dude, and I'm going to use them. Uh, <laughs> so he, that one hawk, the screamer or something, whatever, the one with the big old butcher axe. Yeah. Top uh, down three rust stalkers in one go. And I was like, well, okay, that's, that's fantastic. Would you say so that was that your was... favorite? Uh, would you say that was your favorite match or? Jeez. That's uh, in, in terms of like me having fun, uh, favorite match. Yeah. I was having a lot of fun. Blaine, not so much, um, but <laughs> that was uh, no fault of his own. It was... Um, Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Well, that sounded like a fun event. Um, so what, what was that like? Uh, then you, you did New Mexico, right? I yes. Think? From that, I was um, I got the golden ticket, uh, which phenomenal prize support. I couldn't have been happier about it. Um. And then I got, you know, went to New Mexico as a result where I played against seven other players, all of them minus one. I knew very well. They had all knocked me out of events beforehand, pretty much, or I had an extensive history losing to to them. Uh, So I was very excited to go to this event because that was the goal. I didn't want to win New Mexico, but I wanted to get there for sure um, because I didn't want to be left out of the fun. And um, that event was great. As I got there, GW paid for my hotel. Uh, they paid for the flight to get there. 
granted, they gave me some very questionable flight choices uh, in terms of, you know, um, like flying me out through the entire day to get there. Are you uh, allowed which to I think say they which, a lot of which, uh, which airline they used? Uh, they used a good airline. Uh, it was on United Airlines. But um, they had me like do a four hour layover uh, somewhere. They had me on a puddle jumper to get to New Mexico, uh, which, for those that don't know, is like a 50-seater plane. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole time, I'm just, I was, I was excited because I haven't been on too many planes. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be on a plane. Like, I'm in a single row by myself. This is going to be awesome. Like, I'm always in the middle seat. I'm always cramped. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. I get on the plane and, like, I have to turn my head sideways because I'm too <laughs> tall for the plane. And, like, I also have to turn my feet in because I have a size 12 foot. So I just have to really shimmy in there, like, uh, really crunched up. And I'm like, oh, I, I hate past Ryan for being so excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question is, did you get free room service food while you're at New Mexico? Open? No, absolutely not. No, did they you, were not going to do that because that would have been a full for mistake. You my fat ass would have ordered everything multiple times over. Uh, <laughs> I'm not normally a big fan of hotel food, but this we were at a resort. Um, the Tamiya Spawn Resort, I believe is what it was called, in Albuquerque. And um, they actually had really like decent food for like a all-in-one site resort. Normally, the food is terrible at hotels. Um, so I was excited about this because um, I started eating some food. I'm like, oh. Oh, good. This is actually edible. I can actually have fun <laughs> eating this food. Um, they had a wicked like bread buffet that would just come out midday. Uh, mm. They just had Pueblo bread is what it's called. Okay. Um, you know, for you, Dakota, since you're so very uh, Native American. And, um... Well... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's uh... i'm sorry i had to do it um but it's good it's good did your did your did your girlfriend at least laugh at my story oh yeah big time. she had oh i had never seen her laugh harder at listening to that story of you uh being so so excited mm, yeah it's good stuff. We'll get into that uh, one of these days. <laughs> yeah, the story left for another day, but just now it's a, it's a hoot. It is uh, a hoot. But regardless, yeah, the resort was great. The food was great. Uh, playing that tournament was a lot of fun. Um, round one, I knew I was playing against John Reese, uh, Ken, Mr. Kenny Roll Crit himself, um, who had knocked me pretty much out of the top bracket of Nova uh, with his Pathfinders. Oof. So I was like, "All right, time for the time for the rematch. See if I can redeem myself." Um, and I ended up doing a very good game against him. Um, he was definitely a little, a little sleepy um, as to where. Thankfully, he caught it, and I told him this. I'm like, "I'm very happy our game didn't end this way because turn one, he put all three of his gunners, his comms, and his leader in a two inch bubble." And this two-inch bubble was well within range of because I had done a double dash with my Geller Pox leader thrice cursed between Drawn of the Hum and just the scouting dash. He was in a position where he could just normal move up and flame all five of them. Oh my um, lord almighty. Which would have just ended the game right there because thrice cursed flame rates, two up, three three damage. It's disgusting. Uh, six shots. Yeah. Not many things are surviving that. So luckily he caught it. 
Um, and he moved a Sakarian right into the middle of the board to block me. Just enough to where, like, I couldn't barge past him without ending within an inch. So, like, I measured him, like, you know what? I'm happy you did this because I wouldn't have wanted our game to go this way, this fast, starting point one. Um, that still was a really bad play for him, though, because he sacrificed a Sakarian and gave me full middle, like, a place to go in the middle where I could just charge and not be shot as a result. So he lost the Sakarian there, and from there he was just playing catch-up, and he never caught up. Uh, I think our game ended 18-6, to six, I want to say. That's from- impressive for Pathfinders. Pathfinders usually can score quite a bit, especially He wasn't when- playing Pathfinders. Oh, he was playing. He was playing um, Hunter Clade. That's right. Yes. Uh, for reference, for those listening, there were four Hunter Clade players. There was one Blooded player, one Geller Pox, uh, one Novitiates, and one Path. Four. Travis played Path. And Pathfinders. Yeah, Travis yeah. Pathfinders, who was also going to take Hunter Clade, but he was smart and knew that there was probably going to be a lot of Hunter Clade mirror match, so he went with Pathfinders. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I did a podcast with him, Ace, and Baki, and they were all talking about it. And Ace was pretty open, saying that he was going to bring, um, he was going to bring uh, Hunter Clade. So that I mean, probably gave Travis a hint, being like, "Oh, you know, I don't want to play a match." Uh, yeah, I, I mean, they no even, <laughs> yeah, even telegraphing them, they were a phenomenal team for a mixed format. Yeah. Um, Right now, they can really just do it all. Um, there's not much that they lack in with the fifth Sakarian added in. Except apparently they're bad in the killer box. No. Um, <laughs> no I just didn't. played with every inch I possibly had. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so you ended up playing against five matches of Hunter Clade. Um, yes. Very did unfortunate. You, did you drop warp coven and start playing geller pox because you thought geller pox were really good or did you bring them to the new mexico open because you thought they were a counter to hunter clade um those answers sound like really really great things that a normal pro player would be like yeah yeah i was totally thinking about the meta <laughs> and i was like yeah hunter clade is not gonna no no that's not me um i like to play things that i like and at the end of the day that's what i'm gonna take um i get, it. I get that I played Warp Coven for as long as I did just because I love playing Chaos Factions and it was the only good Chaos Faction to play. Um, and I had some dope-ass Angors that I was too proud of not to put on the board every chance I got. Um, but I'm a Nurgle enthusiast uh, by trade. Uh, I absolutely love Nurgle armies. Uh, so I, I told um, Can You Roll Crit, even before like I knew any of the rules, I'm like, hey, man, I'm super excited to play Gellerpox. I don't care if they suck. Um, yeah, this was at Nova. And he's like, oh, well, I've got good news for you. Um, they don't suck. <laughs> and he showed me all the rules and whatnot. I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to play Nurgle Army, and it's not going to suck. Because uh, Warp Coven are a very mid-tier team. They've got some great plays, but at the end of the day, a good player is going to beat you, which is a little sad. But yeah, so I I totally just brought them just because I I love Nurgle, and I would have brought them even if they sucked. But um, it was just something I I really enjoyed. Fortunately, there are rules, and like their play style is exactly what I was looking for in a team as well. So it's just the icing on a cake. But yeah, no, it wasn't in result to anybody bringing anything. 
it could have been an entirely Geller box filled event, and I still would have brought Geller box. And I don't makes sense. So, the third player you played was that Carlos Duran, or who was the third? So you played. Uh, can you roll a crit? John. So yeah, round one I played. Can you roll a crit? Round two I played a very close uh, personal friend, Adrian. Adrian Martin. Okay. Garcia, okay. Adrian. I think his name okay. Mm-hmm. Um, who was also playing Hunter Glade. Um, we okay. played into the dark. Uh, he, he knew he wasn't going to win that. He has not played nearly enough. And like right out the gate, he mistook a straight up wall for a door. Um, so he was doing a lot of measurements. And I was just like, oh, what's he doing? What's he trying to do? And he's like pointed out that he's going to open this door. I'm like, oh, th- th- there's no door here, my guy. Um, at this point, it was way too far to be like, no, no, just just reset, fix it. Um so from that point, he's like, oh, yeah, no, he, he screwed up his whole first turn uh, trying to play for a door that wasn't there. Oof. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, just he didn't have enough practice. He knew that um, going into it, though. It wasn't like he was shocked that he didn't do uh, what he expected to do, because that's what he, he thought. Uh, round three, I played Ace. Um, I did not get the chance to play Carlos, unfortunately. Because uh, I I love that gentleman. He's fantastic. I have not he played is. him yet, uh, but I met him at LVO, and I wasn't quite sure if it was him who was at New Mexico. Couldn't quite remember because I I remembered I talked extensively with him at uh, Las Vegas. We had a great conversation, um, but I remembered he had an Eldar tattoo on his shoulder. So like when I went up in there, uh, him and Ace came in. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, you're Carlos. Nice to meet you. Uh, I don't know if I remember you. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, do you have an Eldar tattoo? And he just immediately just rips off his shirt. And he's like, <laughs> right here. And just like on the back. I'm like, yes, you were the guy. Uh, so yeah, I love that gentleman. But no, I did not get to play him, unfortunately. Uh, I played, well, not unfortunately, but I played Ace instead, where we had a very close rematch um, game, basically from LVO. Because we had an exact tie at LVO. I was the only person to stain his little record in America. Um, so having this rematch was like the best thing I could hope for. Nice. And I managed to win that by two points. I think it was 14 to 12, which put Ace down into the loser's bracket. Uh, we played an open on escalating hostilities, I think. Something like that. I think it was that one. Um, which It was a very favorable map for me. There was a big old oil rig in the center and I could just hug that thing until the end of the game uh, which he was not happy with but you know terrain's got to go somewhere and I like sticking to terrain <laughs> uh, so. so so when you played each of these guys did they all play Hunter Clay the same or was there like huge uh, differences between each of their play styles that's a very good question and I hadn't really thought about it um I definitely think uh, Kenny Roll Crit started off playing a lot more defensive, but it's hard to say because he was forced into being a defensive player from his very first play. Uh, He's playing catch-up from losing that Sakarian. Um, Adrian, um, he's a very wild mix. He's a great player, um, but Hunter Clay isn't his main, and I don't think he's quite figured out his play style with them personally. Yeah, he, um, plays, he, wasn't uh, sure he, he plays Harlequins, right? 
troop boy trooper dance uh, he plays what? a lot he he was considering bringing either legionnaires gellerpox hunter clade or maybe harlequins i think to that event he, he didn't decide until very last minute so and I'm, it's hard to say what his playstyle was also because he played for a door that wasn't there um and that was his plan he had a great plan for it um you know i, I saw what he was doing it was great if there was a door um <laughs> But then beyond that, like I said, Ace, he just, oh man, he just, he plays differently than most people I've played, just as he won't fall for traps. Um, like sometimes you'll get a player with a, with a moment where it's like, okay, cool, I set something up, they moved into it, and now I can capitalize. Um, you know, it doesn't always happen, but it will usually happen like maybe one out of the four turns. Ace just doesn't do that. Uh He'll just, he'll literally tell you what you set up. He's like, oh, you wanted me to do that, so I'll go there. And then he'll proceed to do something. And then I'm like, God, stop that. <laughs> Don't tell me what I'm doing. Don't <laughs> so that that's a, it's a very unique challenge there. Um, but luckily I was up to the challenge. Um, and so I took him down to the third, third game. And then so he managed to win the loser's brackets. Um, coming back to play me in the final two games where he beat me the in the next rematch on Into the Dark. Um, I definitely fell. There was one play where I messed up where my leader was kind of in the center of a room, stuck in with a Zakarian, and my leader just completely missed his role. He got, I think, one or two hits at most. No, he got one hit out of five with a reroll. Oof. And then um, he proceeded to get most of his hits. Um, so that brought my guy from full health to five wounds. And then I had a choice of what I wanted to do with him. I should have just left him there. I should have just said, screw it and just leave him there. But I moved him out. And then he ended up capitalizing on that with a plasma shot that I didn't quite see, that I didn't know that he could get. And that scored him headhunter. And then at this point, he was scaling out of proportion on points. By round three, my main source of damage was Sludge Grubs. Um, so that tells you everything you need to know about how the rest of that game went. Yeah, I still only lost, I think, by three points. Um, but yeah, he, ha- he had me dead to rights on that game. Oof. And then I brought it back on Domination on my last, the final game. Where, again, I was not happy with the terrain. It was a very shooting-heavy board. Um, and then really favored to uh Hunter Clayton on that, then yes, very much so. There was three main lanes where there was just nothing, and then my deployment, um, everything was just conveniently like an inch out from actually being able to use this heavy cover, so I couldn't actually like sit against any heavy walls with my hawks anywhere. Um, I had to sit way back, uh, kind of clinging to the holes and the ladders and stuff on the oil rig, which was way in my deployment zone on domination. Oh, yikes. Um, That's uh, Domination's 9-inch range, right? Yeah, so it's a 9-inch deployment, and I was probably maybe 4 to 5 inches in it with my Hulks. Um, There's one spot I could put Thrice Cursed on uh, that was okay in a building, but then uh, I had a big old oopsie moment where I put a Hulk behind light cover um, in my deployment zone, and of course, he saw that immediately, and um, he, he took a shot, and I was like, what are you doing? You can't do that. He's like, you're behind light cover. I'm like, yeah, you're not on a vantage point. You don't negate it. He's like, you're a Hulk. I was like, 
Oh. <laughs> Ow. So, yeah, that was bad. He took my Hulk down to eight wounds. Um, and then I was like, okay, that's not great. I'm on a board I'm not happy with. Uh, I immediately lost the Hulk down to, you know, injured status. And I lost a Glitchling turn one as well because I had to shove him up on advantage to try and deny Vantage because he put a Sakarian up there with a forward deploy. Um, so I had a Glitchling up there to try and deny it. But I knew he could kill the Glitchling with another Rustalker coming up. That was the plan. That was the trap. He was going to get one Sakarian up there, Vantage with the other, and then I was going to charge both of them and kill both next turn. Um, but of course, he saw it. Um, he knew exactly <laughs> what he was doing and got a comms boost up there to get one Sakarian off the point. So at the end of turning point one, uh, this is why I want to stress this, um, he had countered everything I did, knocked one Hulk down to eight wounds, and then killed a Glitchling um, and had the center. Uh, so he got a lot of points. He did a lot of damage, and I'm in a bad position. I've moved up to my starting line, turning point two. So I'm like, well, what do I do? domination, too. That's, that's yeah. rough. I'm like, what do I do? Um, what do I do? So I decided to go for the biggest Hail Mary play that <laughs> I've ever uh, managed to pull off. Where turning point two, I get initiative. And I don't play with this rule, but this tournament was rules is written. And rules is written, you can shoot through Octarius floors. Um, so what I did was I moved um, my bloat spawn, who I like to call Old Slappy. He's all tentacled up and nasty. Mm-hmm. I moved him right... or I, The previous turn, I'd moved him under the floor. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot. Because he has a three-inch gun, which is a bolter with six shots that hits on fours. I'm like, we'll see what this does. Maybe I can, you know, knock the Sakarian down for some wounds and then, you know, move forward from there. Oh, good old Slappy. He reaches up through that floor and just decimates the Sakarian. Oh, nice. He, he gets six hits. Uh, Ace oh, fails wow. all of his saves. Wow. And just completely rips him off from that vantage point for something that I, I've never used that gun to any sort of success. Uh, I was like, oh. Well, that's good. Okay, that puts me a little bit at ease. And then I charge from there. I charge through the door because there's a it's an Octarius building. I charge through the door and lock up two more Sicarians, which puts Ace in panic mode a little bit because you can't just fall back from Old Slappy because on a four up you stay put and you lose yep. all your action points. He he thinks a lot about it and he decides to fight with one of them. And he fights. He gets some hits. I get five hits. I think he gets three hits and I get five. And I'm like, ooh, this is, this is turning out nice. And um, this is probably the longest I've ever seen Ace think about something. He sat there for about six minutes um, deciding whether to strike or parry. And I'm like, ooh, he's just, he's just thinking <laughs> real hard. I'm like, I hope he thinks about the parry. And uh, after that, he parries. I'm like, yes, that's great. Uh, because he got the math wrong in his head. And again, he's super tired at this point. He's, you know, came over from Spain, jet lagged. I think it was morning for him when we were playing at midday. Uh, so he parries. And then I'm like, great. So I swing. He realizes. He then swings. Um, he deals two damage to me in total. And then I kill a Sicarian. Uh, and he's like, how did... He's like, wait, why did you, you only take two damage? I'm like, because you parried. You only hit me once. 
And, um, you know, I, I saved half of it with a uh, feel not pain. So I, I've killed two Sicarians at this point in turn point two. Oh, uh, while taking two wounds. And <laughs> really bad. All right. So then he does a few more things in the, in the turn. We're moving back and forth. Some things are happening. Some things are dying. Uh, he goes to the other Sicarian and he's like, all right, I'm going to fall back with this guy. Cause he didn't quite remember that you couldn't quite just fall back from them. I'm like, Oh, are you sure about that? You got to roll for it. Or I got to roll for it. He's like, Oh no. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to chance a four up. I'm just going to swing into him. Also, that oh, because no. the third Sicarian. <laughs> oh, Slappy, <laughs> let's go. Names, it's your namesake, right? Yeah. It's your namesake. Yeah. So, he's, uh, so at that point, I had killed three Rust Stalkers in turning point two with one Hulk, who didn't die uh, to any of this. Um, he died very the very next turn to a lot of Overwatch and whatnot. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Because he brought the game back very hard with Overwatch. Um, which to my surprise, I was like, oh, okay, no, we have a game. He, he proceeded to decimate me of all of his gunners. Uh, cause like I said, the drawback of that map was, it was a shooting map. Um, mm. I did a lot of damage, but in return, I took a lot of damage. And then that brought our game very close. Um, but I managed to pull just enough ahead to hold that center point for a little bit. And, uh, I won by two points once again. So all of our games, we either won or lost by two or three points. Wow. Um, so so it, was, it was a phenomenal job by both of us, really. Um, and everybody around us was like, you know, normally when I watch Kill Team, I'm like, I'll look at the board. I'll leave it. Maybe I'll come back like 10 minutes later, see something happened, whatnot. It's usually pretty boring for me. And I think that's the case for most players. Um, the whole time, all the other six guys were like, they'd come over, peek at the board. They'd like ask maybe one question and they all just run off into the little group and we just hear them whispering like little goblins in the corner <laughs> <laughs> and then come right back go go away come back um and at the end everyone was like those were super fun games to watch and these games took about three hours uh because wow. you know we had longer than normal and it was the finals uh so it was a good feeling that we could provide an entertaining game to bystanders you know as to where like normally i'm kind of bored when i'm watching kill team Mm -hmm. um so that was probably one of the biggest wins i think out of all of it was that people were enjoying what we were doing not just me and ace playing a good game um that's awesome so that was my personal win of the event um but yeah after that i had one i got to go on stream talk a little bit um really annoying they had kill team on for like a little corner in the live stream of the 40k games which i really hope they fix in the future because Kill Team is a lot my, more fun to watch. I think my favorite thing is on the stream. They said that Ace was playing Novitiates. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he liked that <laughs> very much. Yeah. I was like, how do you get this wrong? There was a few little bugs here and there. Like I said, he was playing Novitiates. Um, Chris Baki's name was just like Chris Champs, I think. Yeah, that the was ladder. weird too. Yeah. Yeah, this is, he was like, you will address me as Champs from now on. <laughs> So I, I think the other question that everyone's dying to know that I don't, I don't think I've heard is what was uh what was prize support? Like, was there any? Oh, okay. Um, yes and no. So all of us got a little bit of prize support. We got a nice backpack is like a small little backpack with um like their U S open New Mexico logo on it. Um, and then they gave us like a coin and a little tumbler glass, which is it's my favorite glass. I love that glass. 
uh, when I first got it, I was like, oh, whatever, it's a cup. And then I, like, I, I drank out of it at home. I'm like, oh, this is a nice glass. This is great. Um, but the big thing that we all got is there's two hammers that go around to every like GW open. And um, behind those hammers, like they're really well-made hammers by some professional on TV. Um, and behind those hammers are plaques with every like championship names behind it. Whoever's won oh, it, wow. the championship is in gold. Everybody else who are like the top eight finalists are in silver. So they have one for 40K and Sigmar. Um, this year, they announced that they're doing one for Kilting now. So wow. we will officially have one for, I think, any of the... I don't know if it's any like US Open finalists or like the grand finale. I'm not sure how they're dictating that. But the, the top eight for New Mexico are the first on that line. And then I'll have a gold plate on that kill team thing, which is a giant bolter. It is a true scale mm-hmm. bolter, which is probably about half the size of a man. Um, I don't know if they're keeping it that way. They said it was like a placeholder or I don't know if they're just looking to do something else. I'm, I'm not sure, but for the moment we got a dope ass bolter for the kill team community. Nice. We need a pattern version. They use for guardsmen. So we can just hold it. I mean, you can hold it. You just look silly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I saw the pictures. <laughs> yeah so that's that's pretty much what we got and i'm um, they they again like they said it was just a celebration event it wasn't for prize support it wasn't for the big boxes and stuff like that uh which i think that's the perfect support to give where everybody got their name on something commemorative and it goes to everywhere you know it's not a trophy hanging on my wall it's a trophy hanging in all the gw events and i can point to it and like yeah it was that guy at one point as I, you know, like X4 in a, a tournament in the future. That's awesome. <laughs> Weird flex, but okay. I like the flex. I like it. Well, it's one of those things where I did my job. So now I can suck butt and still point to that thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. That's cool. Well, um, I wanted to bring up this. You founded Plasma Spam. Is that right? Uh, kind of. The, the original group, again, I joined into this group who was playing Kill Team up at a game store called Titan Games in Maryland. And um, I just kind of walked in there one day. There's some dudes playing Kill Team, and one of them was very nice, very active on getting players in. Will Blood is his name. And uh, he invited me to a game, and ever since then, I joined their group. And I've been very fortunate because it's an amazing group of guys. Um, I was very worried. I had heard stories about tabletop players before because I've only played Kill Team. I didn't play 40K. So when I joined in Old Edition, I joined in when it was hot and fresh. And um, I didn't know what to think, but luckily I joined in this group and they were really cool guys. Um, And from there I stayed with them, but they were all called 40 K school of driving. And that was an old reference to like, how you could drive tanks on top of each other and crash them and make these big old messy piles. Uh, But from there, I slowly kind of became a lot more involved in the kill team scene and knew a lot more people and started kind of like being a lot more like a, a competitive player um, and as a result, I ended up kind of renaming our group because um, some people had fallen off. Some people had moved on from the group. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to kind of take the reins because I'm working with Kill Team Open and I'm doing the stuff and I've met a lot of people. Uh, so I refounded it. I originally was just going to do a YouTube channel called Plasma Spam. Um, so I started using it as my tournament name. And then everybody's like, oh, are we Plasma Spam now? What's going on? Are we Plasma Spam? I was like. If you guys want to be, yeah, it's just something I was going to do by myself. But um, so they all just kind of hopped on that and moved on to the new name. So I didn't start it, um, but uh, they. It's an amazing they, name. 
yeah, but they, they like the name enough to kind of follow me on it. And from there, um, I've been the representative for Plasma Spam. And I saw the logo. Um, it's pretty awesome. Can you tell yes. me a little more about it? Oh, I certainly can. Uh, I will plug this till somebody shuts me up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it is a logo made by my brother uh, who has a clothing line called Leviath Apparel. Um, it is a fantastic clothing line. It is very gothic and Nordic inspired. Um, my brother is really eccentric in that field where he really likes that theme of uh, really cool looking Nordic stuff. Uh, so check it out. It's Leviath Apparel online. He does great shirts. Um, right now, I think he's doing a promotion with a professional wrestler. Uh, Brimstone, I think is his name. So mm-hmm. he's working on doing that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really nice brand. And all the shirts are made, um, I think, in the UK or something like that. But he does it in shops that are, you know, very uh, labor resource friendly, uh, to put it nicely. I dare say that I think that uh, that logo is the best logo in all of Kill Team. All the content creators, all of everything Ooh. else. I definitely think that uh, it's definitely the, the best in my opinion. I have to second that. We've looked at a lot of logos and that's one I always go back to. It has a lot of original design and I really, really enjoy looking at it. Yeah, it was. Um, there's a couple Easter eggs in that design too. Um if anybody ever looks at it when we're hanging out at a, a show or whatnot, there's two Gene Steeler cult Easter eggs in there. Um, Cause oh, our, really? our teammate Stefan had to have some Easter eggs in there. Um, Cause it's Gene Steeler cult. Why not? They always got to be uprising somewhere. <laughs> now, where are you guys located? If I wanted to be cool, like you guys and join, you know, where, where would I have to go and how would I go about joining? Oh, well, you know, we're deep in the caves in Maryland, you can't find us. We invite you. Uh, no, this, uh, we just play in Maryland. Mostly we play Titan games, but we've been branching out to a few other stores. Um, I mean, if anybody, we generally just have anybody in Maryland who we're cool with. Just tends to be a plaza spammer. Because again, we're not, we're not a competitive team. We just try to have fun and make sure everybody else has a really good time. Um, it's been ironic that we just ended up being some of the top players. Uh, on the East Coast as well. Um, but that wasn't the goal. That was... It's because y'all are having so much fun. That's why. It, yeah. You know, it's the thing like, oh, everyone's a winner if we're having a good time. You know, we embodied <laughs> that. We took the orc spirit of science and <laughs> we are the winners. <laughs> well, now I want a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, sorry. We only give them out to... Uh... Yeah, the teammates and the groupies. That would make the most sense. Well, there you go. If anyone wants to join, you know, if you're in that area, try to get yourself a shirt. So uh, out of all the kill teams that you've played thus far, what has been your favorite kill team that you've played? All right. um, I'm not going to talk about Gellerpox because they are my absolute favorite. Um, I I can just talk. Fair enough. I can just talk about them all day. But we're here for engagement and lots of fun topics. So beyond Gellerpox, um, Warp Coven is a lot of fun, but they make my head hurt. Um, at the end of the day, I have to align my opponent's chakras. I have to move the moon and the stars and align them perfectly to get relentless uh, <laughs> on one gun. So as much as I like them and whatnot, they're just uh, not my thing. So the team I've had the most fun of would be Compendium Death Guard. All right. Uh, All right. 
there is just an unequal amount of fun that I have when I slam poxwalkers into people, and sometimes they kill them. Um, the look of dismay on my opponent's face when the little dude with a hammer full of maggots just kills somebody is just, it's the best. That's interesting because I don't see a lot of people use the poxwalkers. I see the plague oh, marines I, all the I time. I only use the poxwalkers. I refuse to use the six-man marines. Um, okay, cool. I It's a little known fact. I've played in a couple casual events with them because whenever I need to go easy or whatever, I just bring Compendium Death Guard. Um, even, I think, two days ago, I just played an event with Compendium Death Guard. Um, I have pretty much won any event I've brought Compendium Death Guard to playing only Poxwalkers. See, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily truly surprise me because we do have a Death Guard player out here <laughs> who plays quite a lot, um, and they switched to Gallerpox. Um, but whenever they played Death Guard, they ended up only playing two games of Kill Team ever, went to my very first tournament, beat a manual, won it, um, and uh, usually performed super well with Death Guard Compendium. I think they're definitely one of the, the higher tiers, but they usually play six Marines. So that is a big difference. Yeah, you, you can play six Marines. That's okay. But I get no greater joy than just slamming a bunch of dead guys up the board and maybe they do something. If they don't do something, I don't care. They're just having fun. They're hanging out. So then are you not a fan of Dark Tide since you kill a lot of Poxwalkers in the whole game? Oh, no, they can die. It's fine. I don't <laughs> care about that. Um, just as long as they don't stop coming. That's the end of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> so i think we've gone over usually my next question would be why do you choose geller box and i think we've well established why um but what does a geller pox team look like now they are different than every other team right uh you have to take a very specific team they don't get any options right you have one option and then you have equipment where your equipment count as operatives so you do have a little bit of list building in that regard where you can take kind of a interesting choice between what you want to bring because they all do very different things um but other than that you just have thrice cursed where he um he can take two different keywords on his melee weapon which sometimes it matters sometimes it doesn't what is your most valuable operative for um for Geller Pox. Objectively, it has to be Thrice Cursed. I mean, that flamer's too good. Yeah. Depending on the matchup, one Hulk will take precedent over the other in a lot of cases. One will be more useful than the rest. Uh, depends on the mission. If the mm-hmm. big old Screamer uh, Axe one, I just, call it, I just call it Butcher Pete. It's the easiest way for me to remember it. <laughs> uh, it's a Fallout reference. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, they they really change, but objectively, Thrice Cursed is the best. He's got great and melee, we, he's got great shooting, and he is the one that keeps your team moving and rolling forward with CP generation. If you didn't have that sense. CP ability, uh, the team wouldn't be nearly where it is, in my opinion. I I would say is that uh is that also your your favorite model of all of them would be Thrice Cursed. <sighs> I like them all a lot. I mean, you did name one old slappy, and that is your yeah. Discord name, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed that one because he's got a whole octopus arm and he's uh-huh. he reminds me a lot of um, what you know, the Discord name. It's a reference to a Thresher from Borderlands 2 for anyone who's played that game. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Thrice Curse is a really cool guy. Um, it's probably my favorite Hulk overall, but they're all my favorite. It's like okay. talking okay. about your children, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love them all equally. What what model operative in or equipment in uh, Geller Pox do you feel is the most overrated? Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, probably the Glitchlings. I think a lot of people put money into the the aura that they have where you lose an attack dice and a lot of people get frustrated by that ability uh where it's like oh well you can't shoot them off because they have super conceal you can't shoot them off vantage points and they're there just debuffing their opponent whatnot um but it's i've played against Geller pox it's not like it's a one-way street for me i have played against them and i have won um some of the games i've played against them um, I think a lot of people just focus too much on the whole fact of once they're in a debuff, how much it hurts rather than playing around the debuff. Uh, and because of that, I think they, the glitch things get a little bit of a like OP, no, the glitch, the glitch curse needs to get nerfed kind of feeling. Yeah. Whereas like you can really play around it. It's just, it, it takes some doing, but it's not impossible. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's a little bit one of those gotcha moments that people kind of they they kind of learn after they've played Gellerpox a lot. It's uh, in the meta out here, we really only have one or two Gellerpox players, so I feel like it's a little bit less seen. So maybe that's one of the reasons why people feel that way. Yeah. Um, and would you also say that all the Hulks in general would be? the most useful or do you have an operative outside of the hulks that you find to be actually super useful in gameplay um yeah that's one of the things i like about the team nobody's useless even if they don't do anything um just kind of hanging out making a mess of things and occasionally debuffing your opponent um is okay. they're really good i've had every operative on that team perform something significant even the equipment okay uh, when you're when you're on into the dark you know, your equipment sludge grubs. I have had two sludge grubs take down, you know, a full Marine in one go. Wow. Like, like a full intercessor wow. Marine. Um, you know, they, they can perform phenomenally. I've had Gellerpox mutants throw some hero grenades that I didn't expect anything out of. Um, obviously the Hulks, I mean, they're designed to be monsters and really good. Um, I personally really enjoy where the Hulks are. Um, they're really well written models in my opinion. They don't feel too overtuned in most cases. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think they're pretty cool. The Glitchlings, um, again, they they do a good job. They score your points. They open stuff for you. Um, I have had a number of kills with shooting with them, which has surprised me in my experience with them because they only have a 1-2 damage shot. Interesting. But um, I've had some pretty cheeky shots with them, which has been great. Um, So I don't know. All, All the models are pretty valuable. And um, right. it, it really changes depending on what I'm playing and how the game's going. How about your go-to tack op? I think that's got to be Barge. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, you even talked about it earlier in the episode, right? Yeah, Barge is generally my, my number one. Because you have so many models, a lot of times you often block lanes for yourself. Um, what a lot of people, when you look at the team on paper... 
it's super easy to be like, oh, this team's so great. It has 15 models. It has so many things it can do. You know, there's no way anything can get in its way. Well, guess what? You get in your way. Um, and a number of times you're going to cut yourself off, especially in like into the dark where makes sense. you need to keep your CPs for barge just to keep your gameplay flowing and not block yourself off somewhere. Fascinating. So do you not find yourself using frightening onslaught a lot, which is the, I believe that's the one when you get to fight twice, right? When I first started playing, um, I used to use it a lot. Now I use it a lot less because oftentimes your hawks have very limited places they can hide. Um, and one of the best places to hide is in melee. Oftentimes, okay, if you've sense. charged if you've charged two models, you can reasonably kill those two models, no problem. But then you're trading a Hulk. Uh, what happens? Because you've moved it forward into an exposed position, and then gunners are going to take advantage if the player is playing correctly. They're setting traps. They're moving a model forward to be sacrificed, so you kill them, and then you get to shoot them in return. So I don't use Frightening Onslaught. As, it's still a great ploy. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. Uh, but I don't use it as much as I used to because I oftentimes like just sitting in melee. Um, you know, It's fascinating. When we interviewed uh, Chris Pocky, he also said something very similar about Novitiates. He used to use, I think, the the, the pistol option when you, would, uh, you get to shoot like full distance. And he used mm-hmm. to use that quite a lot. And the more often he played the game or it was one of them uh the more often that he played he found that he used that a lot less and that he would really tell himself that he can only use that cp once maybe twice per game um and it's just like coming from experience of knowing how to play the team so it's fascinating that there's that there's a, a, a correlation between the two teams when something seems really powerful but in the end using your CP for something else that's uh, less noticeable is probably the better play. Yeah. Um, the, the best about your... I can give on that is um, everything in moderation. A lot of times players get stuck being like, oh, this is my go-to play. I see it. It's available. I'm going to do it. And then it ended up not being the best play because you spent the CP and it's, it's you got stuck in your own ways. That makes sense. Um, what about your favorite strategical ploy? ploy? Hmm. Uh, I love making people injured. Rust Diminitions is probably the, my favorite, personally, like lore-wise. It's just like, nothing makes your opponent saltier than them hitting just one worse. Um, <laughs> and I don't like making my Especially opponent Especially if it's a guardsman yeah. with a hand axe, which I love to do. Yeah, it's one of those things I where like, I don't it. like to make feels bads or anything like that, but I really do relish a little bit when people are just like, oh, I hit on threes. I'm like, ooh, do you? Do you hit on threes? <laughs> uh, it's like uh, all of a sudden you're making your uh, your opponent kind of play in the mud with you because Gellerpox hits like garbage, um, but then your opponent hits like garbage. The only difference is I have a feel no pain and you don't. Interesting. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, what about your favorite tech ops? Um, one's a little silly. Um, the, uh, tech infection, it's generally a pretty free tech up in open board. So do you think this is the one that you're going to take now with the new rules instead of taking multiples? Oh yeah. yeah. That, that is the choice in most cases. If you're on into the dark, sometimes you don't take it because there's not, oftentimes it's hard to get to objectives. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I haven't played the new map layouts enough to really say, 
with the old tactical ploys or the old like mission choices, um, tech infection was the best one for sure. Um, but now I don't know. I'll have to see. Okay. Sounds good. Um, what about your, uh, your favorite equipment? Now you said that you like to take the sludge grubs on into the dark, but is there mm-hmm. something that you like to take specifically for open? Uh, no. Um, I used to think cursed mites were useless and just pieces of garbage and I would never uh, pay attention to them. They were the redheaded stepchild of my equipment. Okay. Um, but, uh, since then I've really taken a liking to them. I've found uses for them. Um, I think in all my games versus Ace in the open board, I took three curse mites. And what I would do is I, I just treat them like six mortal wounds, uh, where I'll just ram them into something. And, um, Mm -hmm. generally they can deal two to three damage every single time. Um, especially if one goes first, he deals two wounds and dies because they Mm -hmm. will die in melee. Yeah. Uh, The second one, if he attacks something that's wounded, um, or there's lost wounds, it gains lethal five and rending. Uh, so all of a sudden it does likely three damage. Mm-hmm. So generally, if you're lucky, you can get eight damage out of three three curse mites. Okay. And you know, if you're slamming that into an important operative, a lot of times that's just not going to go great for them. Absolutely. But I like them. Or if, if you get super lucky and they don't get any hits back. I, ha- I have had that happen, yes, where curse <laughs> mites have just completely destroyed somebody for no good reason. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> um, so I do, I like them all. They're all really useful. And um, as equipment should be, it changes from game to game. Um, what, now that you've played them quite a bit, what do you think is their, they have the biggest advantage in? So like, what faction would Gellerpox have the highest advantage in, uh, according to like some of the other bespoke teams? Um, they have a lot of good matchups. I mean, I didn't think Hunter Glade was a good matchup, mm-hmm. but I also won five of them. <laughs> um, so it's <laughs> at this point, objectively, I feel like I have to make a legal statement. Like, yes, uh, Hunter Glade is you know, a really good matchup for me. But any elite team is really good for me because I. Okay. the difference there is like they have six elites, but I have four. Um, and if I'm good about it, you're not going to shoot my Hawks before they get somewhere. Um, okay. So even if we trade one for one, elite teams just lose because at the end of the day, I'm going to have um, like eight or nine operatives left and they're going to have two. Um, yeah, I think I did the math and you guys, I think Geller Pox have like 127 total wounds and in Intercession Squad have 89. Yeah. And I think uh, Vet Guard overall have like 107 or something like that. So. Yeah, it's like I've, uh, I've played I've played a couple games into elites and whatnot, and every time it just goes disastrously poor for the elite player. Because mm. uh, it's like if you can't stop the Hawks, I mean, e- even if you trade one for one, you've lost. Yeah, and elites are really really uh, popular right now. What what do you think is the your one of your hardest matchups? Uh, the tried and true for everybody: Pathfinders, Vet Guard, yeah. um, any team with a lot of blast um, is always okay. a problem because I have to group up. There's not really a choice. Um, so Pathfinders have a really good matchup still because they can shoot into melee a couple different ways, um, which is the place I'm normally safe at, and they hit really hard. Uh, yeah. Luckily, I can mitigate it with polluting stockpile to hurt their marker lights, but they still 
can definitely give him a run for my money. Vet guard is a problem as well, just because they have a lot of shooting, they have a lot of mobility, uh, and the demo mine. The demo mine is just, it's terrifying. It's one of the scariest weapons in the game, in my opinion. But yeah, so the, the really good teams still um, are still a very good counter, in my opinion. Okay. Sometimes Legionnaires. If you're playing Zinch Legionnaires, I can struggle. That's probably the best elite team to go into um, Geller Pox. That's fascinating because you pretty much every single Legionary team plays uh, Nurgle. I dislike that. Um, I think that Korn, Zinch, and mostly Korn and Zinch have really good uh, pairings, but you don't typically see them at all. Yeah, uh, most people have gravitated to the Nurgle stuff. Uh, when I do run uh, Legionnaires, though, and what this is the one thing I have had success against Gellerpox with, is I'll run pretty much a full Zinch roster, but I'll have one Slanesh um, Shrive Talon uh, with a Grizzly Trophy, uh, which really mm-hmm. shuts down anything Gellerpox can do. Wow. Uh, it's really annoying to deal with. And yeah. then I have an Undivided Leader. Yeah, uh, I think uh, undivided leader is probably one of the best way to go to. Uh, I like that play. It's not a choice I take often, but it's the one choice that I will take in the Geller Fox because you want to double shoot them. As each. okay, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and then the Shrive Talon. If you do it right, you can debuff two Hulks um, if you kill mm. something. So you minus one APL. All they can do is charge, um, and then you can either fall back next turn to get away from them. And that, or you can just really hit them with a lot of melee. So, are there is there any good typical pairings like that you would say for Geller Pox that you just pretty much keep two of the operatives together most of the time in most of your games? Nope, everybody's got to move around. Everybody shifts because okay. um, mm-hmm. the team, like the equipment, generally is mobile enough to help any side that they need to, um, and you have to move models around depending on how your maps are laid out, especially in the open, uh, where a lot of times glitchlings have to be by themselves just because they can take advantage of the light, and the hulks have to be wherever the heavy is. There's no choice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, they, they kind of have to just be everywhere. So, um, do you think that Gellerpox is an easy team to play? No, I do not. Okay. Um, and I, I thought they would be an easy team when I picked them up, mm-hmm. but what I've learned is a, it's hard to play, especially in a tournament with 15 models. Uh, it's taxing, even if you're winning time-wise too, I'm sure. Right. You, you have to know, you have to make your moves, you have to do it quick, but you also have to make those moves. Like I said earlier, not to hurt yourself. Um, there's also a lot of rules. They have a ton of rules. Because yeah. every model has like three rules <laughs> and different weapons. They're all different. There's no just like, oh, bolters. You know, this guy has tentacles. Yeah. This guy has rusty hands. This guy has boogers. Like this guy, <laughs> they're all. This guy has different. grenades. Yeah. 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 So it's not an easy team by any means. Um, it's easy to start doing well with against the average player. When you get into high competition, it's not so easy. What I right, now you're playing against just mental load in general, just trying to remember everything against what your opponent's playing too. Yeah. 
and um, remembering your debuffs as well, because it's up to you to tell your opponent that they can't do what they think they can do. Right. Um, you know, it's not their fault if they roll four dice and you forgot that they're a techno curse range. Like, so how many games do you think it would take for, let's say, me, who's never played Jeller Box, to be pretty proficient with them? Um, so I can pretty much tell you my reference point from it because I've tracked my Geller box uh, wins and whatnot. Um, around like the fifteen game mark for me was where I started clicking things together and realized the usefulness of all my equipment and all that stuff. But before that, I was kind of just running things up the board and just hoping to flood my opponent. Um, so I'd, I'd probably say once you get like 10 to 15 games under your belt, you'll get a solid feel for what you don't like your opponent to do to you. Um, and then you change accordingly. And then from there you can hopefully position better, but it's, it really just comes down to learning how you want to position and learning what you want to do to your opponent. Cause every Hulk does something different and each game you have to decide which Hulks want to start the game and which Hulks want to end the game. Because you're going to lose typically two of them. So now that you said 15 is the number to just be kind of able to play them, what about taking them to like a tournament like you did and actually win with them? Uh, like to play like very competitively and whatnot? Yeah, like let's uh, say we're at the when, top levels. Said so once you run that same mark, I think any competent player who you know has played in tournaments before is, is going to be able to do well enough with them for sure. To, again, they are a team that can be forgiven. Um, the problem is... They're not always forgiving. Um, you know, you can rely on funeral pains until they're not there. And then when you're doing that for so long, you're going to take a loss in a tournament if you're just relying on funeral pains. Yeah, that's fascinating. As um, It seems like they're difficult to play, but they do have like um, their ceiling is easier to reach than perhaps Pathfinders and uh, a lot of the other teams that we've had top players interview because... Um, a lot of, a lot of the other ones are like, you know, 25 games, 30, 35 games for like novitiates to, to really make them work like well. Um, that's pretty fascinating. That's good information. Yeah. But those teams, the problem with them is they have so many different operatives and you can only take so many per game. And then they also have so much equipment and it all changes. Um, you know, for Gellerpox, you take the same team every time. Very, very true. Yeah. And, uh, you generally can take an amalgamation of the same equipment every time um, to some capacity. So it really just comes down to positioning and learning versus each individual army. All right. Well, what would be a tip or maybe two tips if you have some that you'd give to new players wanting to play them? Um, try not to be greedy. It's such a power rush having these giant models that your opponent's groaning that they'll never kill. Um, and then that gets in your head and you're like, yeah, let's send these guys through. And then they do die. Um, and then you wonder, well, why did they die? Um, you know, it's very easy to fall into traps. So try not to take greedy plays, I think, with the Hulks and don't just run them forward and kill something just because you can would be the biggest advice I'd say. And then, um, so beyond that, just really work on your positioning, um, even if you just have to play a couple rounds by yourself of just moving forward, turning point one, figuring out the positions you want to go, filling holes uh, from where one operative was to replacing the next line, and then just deciding what Hulks need to start and what Hulks need to finish. 
because you do need to figure that out, I think, if you're going to play competitively with them. What would be a top-level tip? Somebody that has already been playing Gellerpox for a while, but may have not thought of something to take their game to the next level. So there's a ploy called Drawn to the Hum, and for one CP, you can perform... Everybody who's within six inches of an objective can perform a free dash to that objective. It's very important to know when to hold that, uh, because the following turn, if you try to do it, it costs two CP. If you do it again, it costs three CP. Um, so you can't just pop that and just do it every turn, or it's not like a once per turn thing. Um, so a lot of times you're going to find yourself, if you're playing against a good opponent, where they're playing to play you to turn two. Uh, Blooded, for example, have some great, like they have a really great grenade. And um, if they're playing cagey enough, they're going to match you on a- activations and then set up to hit you somewhere where you clustered together. Because realistically, they won't give you any options to attack turning point one. So sometimes if you popped your drawn to the hum early for no good reason, just to get a little bit of board advantage, maybe you took an objective, maybe. Um, all of a sudden, turn two, you're in a trap where they got initiative and they're going to hit you with a good blast. This applies to a lot of teams that have good models and multiple threats. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest thing I could say would, would be know when to use your drawn to the hum. And don't just pop it just because you can. Um, a lot of times you'll need to use Drawn to the Hum defensively to spread out, um, to avoid a blast. Because turning point one, you only had one place you could go. Um, a lot of times I have used that to just move just enough away so like somebody couldn't grenade me or correct a mistake that I personally made. Because you, when you have that many models, you overlook... Um, what your vulnerabilities are. Fascinating. That's great. Well, Ryan, thank you for coming on. You know, it's always fun to hear how you guys always get to the top and play really well. So it's always fascinating for me. And I get to learn something that I didn't know before. Do you want to plug anything? Um, well, certainly. I, I will, again, I'll plug anything uh, that I'm involved with, which, <laughs> so shameless plug here, would be come to the Kill Team Open. Um, you know, where it's going to be a lot of fun. It's coming down on the East Coast. Uh, it's going to be in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, uh, myself, Sheldon, Chris Baki. Uh, ooh, I don't remember Dave's last name. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, forgive me. It's okay. I I only know Dave by Dave, so we're yeah. good. <laughs> Steve Dave is, is the amalgamation that we call them. Uh-huh. Uh, so Steve and Dave from BWG, Basement Wargamers, we're all putting on a spectacular event for everybody who loves Guild Team. I don't care if you're competitive, non-competitive, or just a hobbyist. We have things for you, as long as it's involving Guild Team. You know, we got a competitive champs event. We got a narrative event that's almost sold out. We only got eight tickets left. Come get your tickets. Yeah, ben. uh, yeah Ben's running that, right? Yes. Uh, ben from Battle Brothers Tabletop, I believe is his full thing. Um, he is running that. He is going to have a fantastic uh, lore display and, you know, really show the players a good time there. We have uh, painting classes by a Golden Demon winner, Will Hahn, and a few other guys. Um, I think uh, Listening to Paint Dry is one of the podcasts. The gentlemen who run that are operating that. Again, I'm not super involved in the hobby side and stuff on that. But we have something for everybody. And... Um, even if you Don't just forget. want to come pay a general admission and check out the vendors, we're going to have quite a few vendors who are 
dedicated to the game that we love, which is Kill Team. Um, there will also be food provided uh, both days by um, myself. And um, I uh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I've been paid to do upper upper class weddings for a while now. So, <laughs> and we are a from scratch kitchen. So we make everything in house from scratch with my own recipes. So amazing. There's a lot to enjoy. Please come out. It is a celebration of kill team and we'd love to have you. All right. Well, you guys can find all that other information in the show notes. I'll be putting that there. So if you're on mobile, it works for whatever reason. It doesn't seem to work on desktop, but you're probably listening on mobile anyways. All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. I'm going I'm to probably thank go get you some everyone. tacos now. And I'm thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you, bro. Of course. Anytime. All right. Catch you on the next one. Ciao.